We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where this podcast episode was produced. We pay our respects to the Kamaragal people of the Garingai Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from today. Just a heads up that we're talking about some heavy topics in this episode, including bullying, physical violence and suicide. I beat her up so badly that they had to get steak out of the staff kitchen to put it on her eyes. All I could remember was my hands were full of hair, her hair, and I just lost my temper and really beat her up really badly. Bullies. Individuals intentionally harming or intimidating vulnerable targets. We often hear about the long-term effects bullying has on victims, the struggles and suffering they experience. But what about the other side of the equation? I didn't know. No one knew. She came to school already bringing the hate and hurt with her. Her father and her brother would physically abuse her and also sexually abuse her. I'm Ray Johnston, and this is Harmful. In this episode, we turn the tables and explore why people become bullies. Before we start, let me assure you, the aim of this episode is not to justify or make excuses for bullying, but rather we want to try to understand the motives. Because maybe, hopefully, in becoming aware of the context of these behaviours, we will be able to find solutions. Most of the people who got bullied are the ones that get bullied because they are so fragile and they don't know how to be street smart. So they don't know how to fight back and they'll just accept it. Lucia's story with bullying began in high school. She was only bullied for a short time, but witnessed a lot of her friends, who were also Asian Australians, being targeted. I was being chased around quite a lot and pushed, or someone would run past me and pull my hair. And usually it's a white kid, a guy, who would, you know, say something terrible, spit make a terrible remark, followed by physical violence of some sort. I guess my values while I was growing up, they were taught very well to me as I've grown up in a very Christian household where we don't do that to others. But I also was street smart. So I knew, you know, learning through TV, learning through learned behaviour, especially with fights with my brother, I learned that, you know, I had to stick up for myself a lot as well. Um, especially when my brothers and sisters left high school because they finished and I was there by myself. Um, I felt that I had to protect myself and wouldn't have the protection of my brothers and sisters to, to come and help me if I was in ever in trouble. Let me give you a bit of background about Lucia now. She holds several Miss Universe titles and was awarded Woman of the Decade for her philanthropic work. Lucia is an ambassador for a bunch of NGOs, including Bully Zero, one of Australia's leading bullying prevention charities. Growing up, Lucia was the youngest of 11 children. She came to Australia at the age of one. I grew up in the northern suburbs, 
it was considered back then as kind of like the ghetto where there was a lot of rough people. I was very lucky to have a lot of friends and family that supported me during school. But bullying was absolutely something that um, was a norm. It was kind of like expected if you were of Asian ethnicity to be bullied and most of the time physically abused. When I was growing up, I remember going to high school. That's when um, the forefront of it was um, quite harsh and that was, you know, a lot of people were throwing rubbish bins at my friends who were Asian of Asian ethnicity. A lot of people were calling hate words like uh, jap slap and nip, um, anything really that had any Asian background to it, even if they didn't understand the difference between each Asian country, they would just call you any name. It was during this time in high school that Lucia made a vow to herself not to let anyone bully or harm her and her friends. She never hesitated to fight back. Her strategy was to target other bullies to avoid becoming a victim herself. If I knew that they had bullied one of my friends, I would actually go out and attack them. Um, I would learn that behaviour of bullying. Um, Shamefully, I would also pick um, the most vulnerable kids who didn't really do anything. On display, knowing that other people are watching would bully them too. So I would also grow in a little bit of ranks of looking or seeming to be tough. I would say my actions to the bullies were quite rough, but to the ones that were innocent and I bullied, it wasn't harsh physical violence. It was more of like stealing their lunch and throwing it or give them remarks or belittle them. I'll constantly do that, not just once, but a few times, just so that it can be on display, so that people would know um, that I'm someone not to be picked on. Lucia recalls one day where she witnessed a friend being physically assaulted by another bully. Being one of the most intimidating girls at her school at the time, she found herself stepping in to defend her friend. Me and my best friend, we were innocently at the locker just before class. And my best friend, she's got braces on. So when this girl who came to school, she was a bit younger than um, ourselves, but she was also known as a troublemaker and a bit of a bully. She came up and had words with my best friend and punched her in the mouth. And because she had braces, her mouth was all bleeding and it looked more horrible than it sounds. But to me then, all I could think of was you know, i got to protect her. Even if they had nothing to do with me, I actually beat up the girl really badly to the point where the whole school stopped and watched. And it was talked about quite a lot again and again because I beat her up so badly that they had to get steak out of the staff kitchen to put it on her eyes. All I could remember was my hands were full of hair, her hair, and I just lost my temper and really beat her up really badly. While that fight was happening, she actually got pulled into the office and they also organised a social worker to sit and talk with her. She actually came to school already having 
to decide that she was going to suicide that day because she was being bullied herself so much at home for so many years that she couldn't take it anymore. And that morning she had already decided because throughout those whole years, her father and her brother would physically abuse her and also sexually abuse her. And she had enough, but like no one could have knew either. I didn't know, no one knew. She came to school already bringing the hate and hurt with her. And my best friend triggered her at the locker. I think it was something like, oh, you, you probably sleep with your brother or something, but it triggered something but it had nothing to do with truth my best friend didn't actually know what she had said she just started saying horrible things because the bully was being horrible to her so they were just verbally abusing each other but that triggered this girl so much so that she punched her in the mouth rand fired is a counselor family mentor and dispute resolution practitioner who has worked with dozens of bullies and victims. She says there are several reasons why a person may engage in bullying behaviour. Some people are aware of the impact their actions have on others, but others aren't. Some bullies know what they're doing is, is wrong, but they don't know how to manage their emotions, how to deal with it in a better way. And these kind of kids, we can help by teaching them new skills. But other bullies, they don't see any anything that is morally wrong with, with bullying other people. And most likely these kids, they grow up in a household where aggression or violence is okay and tolerated. So they think it's normal and it's okay and nothing wrong about it. I was treated this way. This is like how me and my siblings are treated, you know, in, in our household. So from their point of view, there is nothing wrong about it. Meanwhile, the other kids who do that as a reaction or as a defense mechanism, they do still feel the guilt because they know deep inside them that what they're doing is not right. They just don't know how to deal with it, how to heal themselves, how to manage their anger or frustration. And these kind of kids need help. It's like their bullying behavior in this case is just a scream for help. Lucia admits that she never faced any fallout. And this allowed her to continue. Back in the day, there was no consequences. And that's why it was like prison mentality. It's like you could get bullied during high school and then go tell a teacher or coordinator. You know, that person would be told off. They could get a suspension, but that's about it. But then they'll come back at you and say, well, if you tell the teacher or you tell on us or things like that, then I will make it worse for you. I will bully you even more. I'll do this or do that. So there were always plenty of threats. And with teenagers, your mind is very, you know, fragile. You you can't really think that you can have any way out. And especially in these circumstances, you know, as a teenager, I had already decided there was no consequence. There was nothing that can stop a bully because it was repetitive. I'm classified as bullying because it's an ongoing thing. It's a targeted thing. So back in the day, there was no consequences. There was no TV ads or education in schools to teach the children or class that bullying holds consequences and the values of it as well, that it's not acceptable. It was just something that you needed to accept as a norm in society. If you're different, you will be bullied. As an adult, 
Lucia reflects on her behaviour. It actually made me feel really horrible. Sometimes I would actually go back in private and (laughs) apologise. But I felt that it was really necessary at the time to put on that display. I mean, sometimes when you look at the different perspectives of, you know, why people bullying and stuff like, for example, in my case, it's never a right. It's never a right to do that. But in my case, I felt it was right because then I was protected and I wasn't bullied. I was saving my friends who hang out around me a lot. I was saving them from being bullied as well. So for me, it was kind of like a action which I didn't feel great about, but at the time, I actually felt justified about. The impact of bullying reaches beyond the victims, as Rand explains. There are like long-term consequences for bullying for all parties, that is for the victims, for bullies themselves, and for the bystanders. So, you know, research said that uh, children who are has experienced bullying, they grow up to suffer from depression, anxiety, fears, nightmares, uh, social anxiety. They grow up thinking it was their fault. They grow up with trust issues. And the bullies themselves, they grow up more likely to be convicted of serious crimes, to have a criminal histories, to lose their jobs and to be abusive partners and parents. So like impacts bullies themselves as well. Despite hundreds of awareness campaigns around the country about the impact of bullying on young people and the rules and regulations that have been set up by different government departments, bullying persists. So what is the missing link? I think education is the key. And I know that lots of work has been done about bullying. But the problem is that we focus all the time on the victims. We need to shift our focus to bullies themselves, the root causes, what's happening in their minds, the emotional struggle that make them, you know, externalize the anger and frustration and put it on others. We need to educate them about the long term consequences and we need to educate them about the impact they have on other children, on their victims. I am very certain that young people and children who are bullies, they don't really know the amount of struggle their victims have gone through. So that's why I'm saying, you know, we need to focus more on supporting the bullies themselves and guiding them through learning new skills and dealing with their own emotions. So what role can bystanders play to stop or minimise bullying? Bystanders have a very powerful role. Um, They can break the bullying within 10 seconds if they interfere. There are so many ways they can interfere to end bullying. The first thing they can do is interrupt the bullying behaviour, you know, call them to join a game or call one of them, most likely the victim, to to come and join you to do something. So just interrupt the bullying behaviour. The other thing that can be done is to tell the bully it's not cool, that's mean, don't do that. And stand up for the victim. If they're afraid and they can't do that, go and call somebody, go call the authorities, go call your teacher, go call, you know, someone that can, you know, come and help if you can't help yourself. 
another way to help and support the victim is to come and be a buddy for the victim. Just to stand beside the victim and show them that you're supporting them and try to remove them from the situation. As I said, like there are so many things that they can do. So like I highly encourage parents to educate their children on what to do if they were the victims or they were bystanders, they witnessed somebody being uh, bullied. Just do not stand there and watch and do nothing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Harmful. If you or someone you know needs mental health support, you can call Lifeline on 13114 and Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. Harmful is hosted by me, Ray Johnston, produced by Maram Ismail. Listen and follow the podcast in the SBS radio app at sbs.com.au forward slash harmful or in your favourite podcast app. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email the team at harmful at sbs.com.au.